Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, finishing up his his email on the bad earnings bonuses for the Disney Corporation after this week's oh. Amsterdam <laughs> box oh. office numbers. That's it's real real Juan Belogan. Welcome back, here. sir. I am here. Um, speaking of Disney executives, it seems like Disney no exec looked at the movie, looked at the script, gave any notes. They just let David do whatever he wanted. Uh, so Rulon, it's kind of it's a bit. It's been a big weekend for movies, but I think a weird weekend for this show because a ton of stuff came out last weekend, but a lot of it is only in the limited release, like. Obviously, Tar, the new Kate Blanchett movie that Todd Field directed. We're not going to talk about that on this show until next week when that gets a much wider release. Till, I think, got a small limited release this past weekend, as well as Decision to Leave, the excellent new Park Chan-wook movie. Um, Triangle of Sadness, which I still haven't seen. There's like a ton of movies that came out this past so week. Um, and a lot of them, it's sounding like very exciting rich movies to talk about um maybe unfortunately for this conversation <laughs> the one <laughs> we are not talking about any of those um the one i guess big movie that went wide last week um other than i i guess i mean lyle lyle crocodile did that come out last week it did i was gonna bring that up i was like you didn't see that stellar movie you didn't go out immediately as possible to see it just kind of kept thinking in my head like would my questions just be like so he's a crocodile right <laughs> but he sings and they'd be like yeah yeah he, he sings he's a crocodile but he's voiced by sean mendez right yeah yeah because he sings but sean mendez that's the person you went to and you were like to voice the crocodile yes he's a crocodile right <laughs> and you <laughs> And it's like, I understand where you're going. I get it. Because if you're going to add Sean Mendes, you would think it'd be him to bring those audience. But have you have you seen there's like a clip I saw on YouTube of I don't, I don't want to beat up on Lyle Lyle Crocodile too much on this episode. I just sort of find it like weird th that with the Sean Mendes aspect. And there's like a clip that was going around YouTube of one of the music numbers. And you know, what's not a very expressive animal. Mm. a crocodile uh, yeah <laughs> it's fair. just sort of like sean <laughs> mendez like belting out his ballad and it's just sort of like we you know the listeners can't see what my hands are doing but it's literally just like the mouth is just opening just up opening. and down <laughs> um so we're not talking about lyle law crocodile we are talking about amsterdam which on one hand is kind of like an opportunity like the kind of movie that is sort of wonderful to talk about on this show because it has tons of movie stars it's a big original movie um it has a pretty big direct writer director behind the scenes but i'm going to i'm going to start us off by going out on a limb here mm. um i want to apologize to you <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> because i saw this movie a couple weeks ago 
And I know. And you didn't warn me. You did not. Before you saw it, you had put your pin in like, this is something I would maybe want to talk about on the show because I I threw out several Mm -hmm. titles for you. And I saw this movie. And um, then I think I immediately texted you the next day with like, would you want to come on for this one? You're like, (laughs) yes, definitely. I, I will. I will go see it this weekend. And I kept my mouth shut because I was afraid anything I would say <laughs> would, like would, would deter you. And then I was like, oh, shoot. Has he looked at my Twitter lately? Because I'm pretty sure as I walked out of this movie, I did not specify what it was, but I straight up tweeted, I'm pretty sure I just saw the worst movie of the year, period. <laughs> I did not see that tweet. Um, and I um, went in pretty much blind. Like, I uh-huh. saw some of the um, promotions they were doing. Actually, no. I Maybe they had stuff on the commercials. I don't know because I don't have cable. So maybe they mm-hmm. had some commercials. But the only thing I saw that they were promoting this movie was on Instagram. And they were just using the poster with all the celebrity names. Right. So they were just trying to draw anyone in by saying, oh, you know who we have? Chris Rock, Taylor Swift, Christian Bale, uh, Margot Robbie. John David Washington. Don't for, don't think about the plot. Just come for these people. Yeah, I'd be curious if you had seen the trailer because I think I saw it in front of something over the summer, and my first reaction was just, "What is this movie about? What like what is this?" and and was kind of had already been hearing some rumors kind of percolating through the ether that like this was a potentially like this epic mess, and should mention this is the new. Gosh, I do, uh, part of the reason I'm taking so long to build up to this is how how does one describe this movie? Oh, I guess it is true. a a screwball comedy slash conspiracy theory movie. It is written and directed by David O. Russell, um, probably best known for his kind of string of movies, I'd say, roughly around 10 years ago. Like, you, you know, he had The Fighter, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle were kind of all big Oscar movies with very big stars or made big stars out of people like Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. Um, and obviously it was, it's, it's part of this generation of directors that kind of pops off in the nineties with movies like um, flirting with disaster or three Kings is probably my favorite movie of his um, as, as well as is, is someone who will, we'll get into maybe a little bit later. I, I think has a bit of a, controversial reputation in in hollywood um and hadn't made a movie since 2015 his his previous movie was um did you ever see joy no that was the was it the um based on the no it's that was with jennifer lawrence though right it's the um like you read about it on paper and you're like wow that really was a movie that someone made jennifer lawrence playing the inventor of the miracle mop yeah um a movie that was like a a big bomb and kind of killed this sort of like glitzy oscar run that he was on and he hasn't made a movie since and this new movie of his as you kind of hinted has maybe the the most stacked cast of a movie all year um one of those casts where it's like as you're watching the movie, you're sort of like, oh, wait, this person's in it? Oh, I didn't know this person is in it. Oh, I forgot this person's in it. So we obviously have... I I think the, the general way to describe it is like... W- would you say an accurate assessment of this movie is like... It is about a, a doctor, 
a lawyer and a nurse who find themselves entangled in a conspiracy in the 1930s. Yes. Okay. And that doctor, lawyer, and nurse played by Christian Bale, uh, John David Washington, and Margot Robbie cast is then filled out by people like Anya Taylor-Joy, Chris Rock, Michael Shannon, Mike Myers, Taylor Swift, Timothy Oliphant, Zoe Saldana, Rami Malek, Robert De Niro, and I'm sure plenty other people that I'm possibly forgetting. But um, in keeping with uh, maybe the style of David O. Russell, that was a very manic all over the place, uh, you know, build up to what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of gave some of my thoughts after seeing it. I'm curious. You and I have not, you are, you are fresh from seeing this today. Yeah. What your thoughts were leaving the the theater. Also first have to ask how many other people were in that theater with you? Because based <laughs> off how much money it, it made this weekend, I think it made like, you know, single digits, like in mm-hmm. the millions. Like, I think it was like but, 6 million. Like six million with like an eighty million dollar budget or something yeah, like that. Like this, yeah. this movie is a huge bomb. Um, and it sounds like maybe like two people were in every screening in America or something like that. So seriously, it was me <laughs> and two other people. That okay. was it. To be fair, it's a matinee, so you're not going to get a lot of people. But when I wa- when I bought the ticket, I was kind of shocked that there were so many gray seats mm-hmm. as I'm picking the seats. I was like, wow. Okay. When I, about 30 minutes in, I was like, Oh no. Cause I was already, it was losing me already. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Oh. And then it kept out. I fell asleep. Like I, I, I mean, <laughs> I kind of wish I fell asleep. I gotta be real. There's <laughs> a part where I dozed off and I woke up. I was like, Oh, we're at this banquet now. I, I uh-huh. don't know what I missed, but I missed did, something in between. Did you at least see what happened to Taylor Swift? Yes, I did. I was okay, awake for that. Because if not, let me tell you, that has become a meme this weekend. It will probably really? be like the only lasting impact of, of this movie. That's fair. Um, It was too long. I think it could have been better if it was 45 minutes to an hour shorter. Because the premise, I was like, okay, cool. I yeah. like it. I like the premise of it, but it just dragged. And there were scenes, as I was watching when I was in the sleep, I was like, this could have been cut. You didn't need this because it doesn't draw you to anything else. Maybe it did, but I would slept through those parts. Yeah, it's kind of just this baffling, I think kind of epic mess of a movie. I mean, I'm, I sound like I'm like really dogpiling on it, but I, I like really, really did not enjoy the experience of of watching this and i think a kind of perfect entryway into what doesn't work about it which is which is kind of everything doesn't work Mm. about it but i think we kind of have to tie it back to david o russell i'm i'm curious like i how how many of david o russell's other movies have you seen let's come back to me with that let me look at it here okay because there's kind of a what I think about with like his movies is I think they work when his, he has this like very chaotic um, manner of making movies. You know, there, there are a lot of stories about how he's constantly improvising on set and changing setups and there'll be rewrites on the day. And it's this very like chaotic process. 
and that a lot of times seeps into the movies and i think when his movies work they it it almost feels like this high wire juggling act or something of like he is a circus performer on a unicycle and riding across like a tightrope and is like juggling a whole bunch of chainsaws or something like that and you almost feel like it could kind of like fall apart at any moment and even in something like like i think the movie of his that this is probably closest to is like american hustle and this kind of like big stars in this kind of caper movie that is very very loosely attached to like a real life historical scandal um and that's a movie that like i haven't seen it since it came out my memory of it is it kind of making no sense but there being a kind of fun energy among the people in it enough so to where like you kind of just go with it and are just sort of enjoying the performances sort of bouncing off each other even if you get to the movie and you're into the movie and you're like what was that about <laughs> like like really what what was that about i had a pretty good time but but can someone describe this movie to me um and this is a case of i think that energy all kind of collapsing on itself and you know, the analogy I gave of someone on a unicycle on a tightrope juggling chainsaws, like, falls off and the chainsaws, like, cut the tightrope and he falls and then another one, like, crushes him and saws him in half. Like, th- this is kind of that chaotic, all-over-the-place energy completely spiraling out of control. Um, and I think it it the cast in this movie, as many big names as there are, I don't know about you, I don't think anyone really works together in this movie. Everyone, it feels like, is kind of pitching at different tones and feels like they're in very, very different kinds of movies. And the chemistry between these people don't make sense. I mean, the the main trio alone, like John David Washington, uh, Christian Bale, and Margot Robbie, who are in this, like, thruple, I guess. Like, that. I don't understand at all, like, why these people are attracted to each other there's even a romance between margot robbie and john david washington two insanely hot people but who have like zero i mean zero zero chemistry i thought they didn't have the best chemistry but i bought into some of the scenes i'd say christian bale had no chemistry with either either one of them no i was like no y'all you're forcing this um relationship between him and john david i was like i don't i don't i don't believe it like mm-hmm. it just didn't work for me their relationship even then with zoe zaldana whose character are oh, i feel i'm gonna just get into this rant real quick go, zoe go. saldana's character um chris rock's character um honestly the two detectives coming after well mm, no let's keep that um mike michael mike myers uh uh, uh timothy oliphant we don't need taylor swift of it all we don't need those characters we don't need them Get it out. It cuts the movie maybe 30 to 45 minutes shorter. Taylor Swift, all right, I'll give it to you. Fair. We need that to kind of get, get things it's, going. It's the inciting incident, as it were. Right, right. Like the Chris Brown, the Zoe Saldana. When Zoe came up, I was like, okay. And then she comes up again later. I was like, You're, there's no plot point here. We don't need her. We don't need this love interest. I get what they're doing. We don't really... I, I'm just the, if I was an exec, I would always try to say, what can we cut? 
And those are the things immediately I would want to cut because I don't think they added anything for me into the movie. I, Mike Myers, a little bit funny. Um, yeah, I guess the the few times I kind of smiled at the movie were hit, the banter between him and Michael Shannon, who are in like two scenes together, mm-hmm. two very, very brief scenes together. And then there were some people, some scenes I was like, are they in the same room or did this person shoot this by themselves? Did you get that uh, at all? Or yeah. is it just me? I'm, I'm sure that happened. Um, there's, you know, there's a actually very, very good profile of Christian Bale in GQ at the moment where he talks a lot about the behind the scenes process for this movie. And it sounds like this was like a pure COVID production. And there yeah. was a lot of like push and pull about what they could and couldn't do and when they couldn't, couldn't shoot and where they couldn't, couldn't shoot. Um, so I would not be surprised by that if there were, it, it, even with just the sheer amount of people who are in this movie, if mm-hmm. there were people who are not in the same room together. Um, I think kind of what you were bringing up about like wanting to cut some of this stuff back. It also, to me, feeds into another kind of potential problem of Russell's as a writer where his movies can sometimes feel a little bit overwritten um like american hustle is another case where the movie feels like that i think a movie that that works a little bit better is something called like i heart huckabees which was Mm -hmm. like one of his more divisive movies that came out in the mid 2000s in which case that's another like very chaotic messy movie but i think the messiness sort of works for it um but there's something about like both all of the different like narrative zigs and zags he's trying to take with this movie. There'll be sequences where they'll all of a sudden like voiceover will come in and be like, Mm -hmm. actually this didn't happen this way. It happened this way and rewinds and plays the scene again differently. Um, And the various different threads and different like repeating, not even gags, just like motifs and um, conversations that come up over and over again that are meant to like create this elaborate web. Mm -hmm kind of just feel like all these like needless strands that he's kind of they they don't ever fully mesh together in a way that feels cohesive and even the characters like i think he can sometimes have a real problem in creating characters that are less people and more just like a collection of quirks like Mm. the christian bale and margot robbie characters are like perfect examples of this i i think i think john david washington is kind of like actively bad in the movie but i think part of that is like he has like that character is a nothing burger like there there's nothing to that character hardly and in comparison like christian bale and margot robbie's characters feel like all these weird little quirks like christian bale's character is like he's a war vet but he has a glass eye and he also has a back brace but he loves to sing but he also makes experimental medicine and he talks like Woody Allen and all this, uh, but he's also trying to get back together with his li- mm-hmm. wife and believes in the power of love. And then Margot Robbie's character, which I like really didn't understand is like, she's a hippie. She's a nurse, but she's also an artist and an avant-garde painter, which I guess is an, an artist or something. And she has vertigo and she speaks French and all this da da da. And, and like, they don't feel like people. They just feel like a bunch of like weird little ticks that have just sort of been piled on top of each other. Like there's the, the point 
part in the movie where we learn about Margot Robbie's vertigo, mm-hmm. and it was all re- like I had this feeling of like, why, why? This just sort of feels like another thing you're adding on to this yep. character. Like this doesn't feel like a weird person. This is just a bunch of like weird little, as I said, kind of like quirks and like gags and things that don't mesh together. It 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 weirdly kind of reminds me of like last episode. Um, I had my friend Noah on, and we talked about uh the movie bros and he mentioned like a part in that movie where we learn about the interest of a character that he mentioned he was like i did not buy that that character would be into that and it just felt like this weird add-on that didn't make sense in the movie this just sort of like hat on a hat joke and that's what all of russell's characters kind of feel like in this movie they feel like these weird amalgamations of quirks and this movie i i think in talking about the excess of it, it feels overwritten in a way. That's what, so I don't know if every actor or excuse me, writer is this way, but some writers say they want to think of each individual character and give them a backstory, make them Mm -hmm. a full person as this movie goes along. And I'm glad you kind of mentioned it feels like things are added on. It opens my head to, Oh, absolutely. It seems like all of this stuff was happening as he's writing that, oh, here's a plot device that I need to add to advance it here to make it quirky or interesting here that it didn't make sense for the characters and specifically um, uh, Margot Robbie, Robert, excuse me, her character didn't care for it. Didn't care for it at all. John David, as you mentioned, was very, was the one dimensional character of them all. He didn't really have much else. His quibs, Mm -hmm. let me say the way he, Hmm. Now I'm thinking about the writing of his character and I'm kind of like, they weren't, no, but that's how he kind of delivers lines though. Does it make, I'm not making sense of what I'm saying for John David, if you get what I'm going though. I think I maybe, maybe is, 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 I wonder if this is kind of something you're, you're pointing to of like, kind of what I mentioned earlier about no one really feels on the same page in this movie. There's, you can see moments and I think it comes through some of the performances like, even though the Bale character sort of annoys me at a certain point of just like not feeling like a real person, I I think the pitch that Bale is doing for that character is kind of like the right tone for this movie. And there are moments in it where you can see like, all right, the dialogue, the dialogue almost feels like it's written in this very like heightened manner of it either needs to either be like very very like 40 screwball like pitter pat back and forth or it needs to be like a very stilted like wes anderson way of delivering dialogue and i and of i wonder if what you're kind of trying to pinpoint is like john maybe the reason the john david washington performance feels odd is he's trying to bring this very like modern natural um performance style to a character that's maybe written to be a little more heightened and maybe like you know bale's playing his character very heightened we don't have time to go through everyone in the movie but they, <laughs> that, it 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 being that kind of thing of like that's another reason kind of getting back to the american hustle comparison like that movie even when that movie is like flying off the seat of its pants and like is not making sense all the actors feel on the same page and kind of know what kind of movie they're in. This feels like a movie where like no one has any clue of what kind of movie they're in. And it's really just a lot of extremely famous people who are all kind of like 
smashing into each other and whose energies and acting styles feel totally out of whack with whatever they're in. I'm thinking of a scene towards the end when it's kind of like the light bulb of it all when things are revealed and Bale's character is just kind of looking into the camera kind of dazed mm-hmm. and, and you kind of said something earlier where they were like replay scenes and just do it back over for that scene I was like what is he doing is this in his head is this not real right now and then when it kept going I was like okay that's weird and it just yeah. made me think of some of the other camera movements that happened uh, particularly whenever there were like new famous actors that just stayed on their face really close, mm-hmm. try to make, draw you in. And I hated it. I was like, stop, you're bringing too much attention to it. Move on. Um, and then uh, De Niro of it all, De Niro was doing his own thing here. He was doing, he's his in own a much thing. more serious movie I think, than, than everyone else's. In. Absolutely. Like he was like, okay, this is the character. Well, I guess he's the only one who had someone to, because his is based on an actual person. So maybe right, that's right. why he had a little bit more depth because he had someone to kind of look to, or as everyone else is doing, whatever. Anya Taylor-Joy, a lot of fun. Chef's Kiss, no notes for her. Great, great. An- another person who f- at least feels like they're on the right pitch of yeah. this movie, even even if sort of like, where her and the Rami Malek character go later in the movie, which will, there's honestly no point in throwing up a spoiler <laughs> alert because who's seeing this movie? But right. um, you know the the big reveal that we'll we'll get to here in a second of of her and Rami Malek's character in the plot of this movie. Even then, I was kind of like, if you say so, like it was it wasn't <laughs> even like <laughs> it wasn't like a oh my gosh yes. I was just like sure. <laughs> I yeah, sure. I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I just know when he was writing this, he was like, yeah, this is the reveal. They're going to love this. And oh we're just gosh. like, sure, okay. I, I think the meat of our conversation is really going to be when we have to like uncork what this movie like really thinks it is about. Um, but I, I wanted to, to pit, pinpoint off something you mentioned earlier about kind of the, the cinematography of this movie. And another thing I think does not work and does not fit the movie. I mean, it's, it's shot by Emmanuel Lebesky, who is like one of the like two or three best cinematographers in the world. Like this is the guy that won like the best cinematography Oscar, like back to back to back years Mm, for like mm -hmm. gravity, then Birdman, then the Revenant, like one, all one Oscars for all those movies. He's like Terrence Malick's go-to DP works with Alfonso Cuaron and, Alejandro Iñárritu all the time um you know his he's got this use very like naturalistic style that's kind of like constantly moving around and floating and will get really up close in actors faces but it I don't it bugged me in this movie because it feels like the wrong aesthetic choice for this yes. movie like like this needs to be his sort of photography style I think works better in like much more kind of operatic and sincere movies. And this is more of a kind of like, it's trying to be a like manic comedy. And there was just something about like, even the visual look of this movie did not seem to kind of match up with tonally what it was trying to go for. Um, I've seen like a lot of comparisons online of like talking about 
the whole look of this movie kind of looked like you know, it was shot through like a dirty tea bag or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's all these like muddy browns that just kind of look like aesthetically ugly. Um, it, I mean, it, a- another case of just sort of like even down to a pure like visual aesthetic level this movie that i was just sort of baffled by all the choices and was like none of this is working together mm-hmm. and then i think we gotta i mean if you're really gonna see this i guess spoiler alert but <laughs> at this point if you've listened to this point and you're like i gotta see it yeah we we gotta <laughs> uncork what this movie is really about which i I first want to pose it to you to you this way because um when I, I oh, at at any point watching this movie did you did you have a moment of wondering like what was it like like what was it that drove all of these people to like want to be a part of this like what what was the thing that was like the big hook of like that got everyone in the door for the and like wanted to be part of this project I think what got De Niro in it first, because anyone, he's the one, I'm like, why is he in this? For him, I think it's the movie at points, I was like, oh, is this like a critique of today's politics? There were some points where it said something to the effect of history repeats itself, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think he De, Russell is trying to say, hey, we're in that moment right now. Pay attention. There were two points where I really like, okay, I think this is what he's saying. And then other points, obviously, I think the treatment of veterans is big in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, I didn't know what was going on. I thought this was just a, a heist movie, if you could yeah. say that. Yeah. I, I So after I had gotten out and um, I you know, made my kind of coy tweet about what I thought I had seen that evening, um, a, a friend of mine texted me. It was actually you know, you know Hunter Hyman, who's been on the show several times before. and. You know, I think the a, a big question, I think, around this movie and some sort of outside the movie itself criticism has been directed at all of these people who are involved in this movie kind of knowing David O. Russell's reputation. Mm. And, you know, it's not something I want to spend too much time getting into. It's very publicly documented. I think as I kind of hinted at earlier, David O. Russell is someone who has, let's, to maybe put it like half nicely, a co- very combative um, demeanor on set and mm-hmm. has many stories of, you know, on the set of Three Kings, I believe him and George Clooney either got in a fist fight or came pretty close to getting into a fist fight with each other. Um, there's obviously the video from I Heart Huckabees of him like screaming at Lily Tomlin and like throwing things across the room in this GQ profile with Christian Bale that I mentioned. Bale talks about on American Hustle having to like get in between him and Amy Adams Adams, because he was kind of getting in her face and being a bit ugly to her. And then there's a sexual assault allegation by his transgender niece from I believe like 2012 that it has now started to resurface once again. You know, he he is a figure who has had kind of and some some unflattering looks in the press and it is I think someone who has gotten a lot of opportunities in Hollywood but I think is viewed as a lot of people as like a bit of a prick as well. Mm-hmm. Um and 
I, I think I bring that up into saying that there is, I think, a lot of questioning about like, so so why did all these people agree to like be in this this movie? And especially as we're in this time of post me too post Mutu. And this is notably the first movie Russell has made since all of that that movement kind of kicked off. I mean, Joy was 2015. Um and so I was texting with Hunter Howman, who's been on the show, and you know, it was telling him like I really thought the movie did not work at all. And he was like, How do you think all of these people feel that they like were in he's someone who like despises David O. Russell? Um, and was like, How do you think these people feel doing this movie with this guy with sort of the presumption of like, well, it's gonna get me an Oscar because I, he had he had about, yeah. he had that run of movies where like the fighter silver Linings playbook and american hustle like had a performance nominated in every major cat in all the acting categories mm-hmm. and my response kind of weirdly was i actually don't think having seen the movie that that's the reason everyone hopped on i think it's kind of what you're saying of like i told i texted him like i think it's because david o russell made his trump movie like mm-hmm. this is this is a movie about a rise in fascism in the 1930s and trying to compare that to a rise in fascism that's happening all over the world now. Um, The movie is kind of loosely, as I said, sort of tied into this real life scandal called the business scandal. That was an attempt to sort of throw uh, Franklin D Roosevelt out of the white house and sort of establish a new president, kind of this, this a coup attempt and establish a government uh, in in the vein of kind of these more fascist movements that were coming out of Italy and Germany at the time. Um, I bet you can guess who those leaders were. And uh, it certainly has its parallels for today, but I don't know. I, I really, really, really found it kind of eye rolling. I mean, I, I found it both disingenuous considering I think Russell's reputation and to have a movie that was basically like, but if we all hug at the end of the day, maybe it'll be okay. And being like, I don't know that you're the person I want me like lecturing about being nice out in the world, dude. You may not um, be the best vessel for this message. Yes. And I I don't know. It it brings me to a question of like, how do you feel about Hollywood and filmmakers trying to make art about what we specifically all went through in the last kind of four or five years and still kind of are going through now. Like that's, that's maybe something that I kind of want us to sort of work out. Cause that was the moment that took this from like, well, this is kind of a mess to like, I kind of, the, 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 I'm about to walk out. Like I kind of like, cannot take this movie anymore. I almost walked out too, but I didn't. Cause I said, we have to record about this. So I'm not <laughs> going to leave. Um, it's, it, it's like the COVID of it all too, that when there were, everyone was making a COVID related episode show movie, I didn't mm-hmm. want to see it because yeah. we're going through it. So it's similar in that regard that I don't want to see it unless yeah. it's done well. And I don't, I haven't seen those things done well yet. Um, actually, no, I've seen one on COVID done well. It's a freebie, Amazon freebie show sprung. Mm. If you haven't heard seen of that. it. I haven't it's pretty, seen it. It's a comedy. It's like loose early on of the pandemic stuff. It's very funny. I think that it does a good job about COVID stuff. Uh, I don't really want movies about stuff going on now. 
because or even referencing it yeah as this movie does because it's too much thumb on the scale in a sense it's like oh look at us we i'm bigger than thee so i i'm trying to what's the term i'm trying to like show you all what you may not understand that's going on of it if that makes sense yeah there's it i i have to be honest the ending just sort of came which the ending obviously like builds to um this big moment where uh you know christian bale uh john david washington mario robbie along with some british spies and robert de niro who's like the candidate that the fascists want to put into the white house and rami malik and anya taylor joy are the secret fascists if if it sounded confusing don't worry it's just as confusing in the movie but like it's it's all building to this big kind of um auditorium event with the robert de niro character and they end up sort of like exposing kind of the fascist this fascist plot at this sort of uh big like veterans celebration conference and then the movie has as you sort of hinted at earlier this very bizarre scene where christian bale is like on drugs but then is also making a like voiceover like soapbox speech that it feels like goes on for like 10 minutes to the audience that's like we you know how we defeat the fascists we defeat them with our love and our art that's how we do it folks and there it was just something about that that was like there was just something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way it was almost like the um the imagine video from early on in the pandemic there was there was just something about having sat through this mess of a movie and then it basically ending with this like very like achingly sincere kind of like aw shucks tone about like as i said earlier you know if we all learn to love and hug a little bit more that's that's how we win the day and i just kind of want to be like shut up david o russell yes, like <laughs> yes shut you know up. i it, it was and and it's not because like look i i'm as sort of worried about the creeping rise of fascism in the world now as anyone but like I, there was just something kind of tone deaf about it it feels like kind of like no this, this is like actual like weird real world terrible stuff and like rights are being taken away and like crazy people are rising to power in the world and for this movie to like be to to draw this kind of like very obvious sort of like it's all kind of like what happened in the 1930s and remember kids we beat that with our love and our art and our friendship it just sort of struck me as like a very kind of like privileged overly sincere Mm. simplistic kind of half-hearted charge of inspiration for like in the midst of bad stuff that's already happening i don't know did yeah. that does that kind of make sense because that yes. that was that was legit my like feeling and it it took me from a movie that i was like actively becoming disengaged with to a movie that i was kind of like rolling my eyes like the boulders in indiana jones like was just d- wanted to like immediately leave the theater and was like i'm i'm really done with this movie no it was very um it was very uh, here's a message i'm gonna hit you with the head over it it was what's the movie can't think of the movie i think it was like it's not Dwayne 
one of the Wayne's brother when it's the movie where they're like message anyways. <laughs> so that's what I think he was doing in this. He's like, if you don't understand, I'm going to do it a couple more times here so you can really get what I want to tell you. And it's not telling you I'm trying to force it down here. Mm-hmm. At, at that point, again, I was already tuned out. I was like, all right, when is this going to end so I can leave? Well, I think unless you have any final thoughts, I think we can, I think we can bury the, we can, we can leave Amsterdam to sort of die in the dirt. Um, it, it really seems like that's kind of what's happening with, with the movie. It's the, the reviews kind of around the, I, I, most of the reviews I've read have been middling to quite bad. I think the one person I saw really standing up for it was Richard Brody at the New Yorker. Um, as we said, it did pretty bad at the box office. Um, Eighty million dollar budget. Yeah, like what? <laughs> and and I think a lot of that cost went to like the COVID because stuff. It went to COVID stuff. Um, I want to maybe end on a positive note of Christian Bale has obviously been kind of like the big person out promoting this movie, and I thought this would maybe be a fun opportunity to. And in talking about, I think, a movie neither of us really, really enjoyed with um, maybe talking about what what we think are our favorite Christian Bale performances. Um, as I said, I really enjoyed this profile of him in, in GQ and how kind of like, I don't know, he just seems like very down to earth and kind of like disinterested and kind of like the Hollywood machinery at this point and is just like... No, I'm. I like. I just kind of just do this for a job now, and I just sort of do the work, and I'm not really like engaged in a whole bunch of stuff now. Um, and just seems like really candid about his career. There was also like a very fun kind of like him going through all of his roles lost on on YouTube with Leo. Is that the is that the same where he's talking yeah. about he's lost all those roles to Leo? Yeah, he was basically okay. like any role I've ever gotten is probably because Leo turned it down or something. Like he he it it is just like a wonderfully candid interview. Um, and there's also I think like a a video that accompanies it on YouTube of him going through a lot of his roles. But I'm curious for you, real one, like what some of what your thoughts are on on Bale as a movie star, as an actor. What are some of your favorite? christian bale performances watching this movie i kept thinking about american psycho and so when you brought it up i don't know why american psycho is the movie that i just kept thinking about watching during this but i'd say that's probably my favorite performance of his outside of the batman franchise it's kind of for me it's like the the american psycho performance not american hustle i don't want our listeners to get confused with that (laughs) Not the other David or Russell movie, but um, I mean, his, his, I was almost think, trying to think of like, what would be like my top five? And it was like so easy of like, it's almost like American Psycho. And then it's just like everything else in just like whatever order, um, right. because the, the, he's just, I think so perfectly lands like the tone of that movie and is so funny in that yes, movie, even though that movie is funny. so like the humor in it is so dark and so arch. Um, I also just thought it was like really interesting listening to him. Just like he's so candid about his time as Batman. And it just Mm. sort of seems to be like, yeah, it was just this thing I did. And like, I got a house from it. And my memory of it is just like sitting in a makeup chair for hours while they put the suit on me. And 
him just being like, yeah, it was just like a, <laughs> another role I did. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, well, I guess he's, while he's being honest, he's like, I've made my money. I don't care anymore. Unless yeah. there's, there's no project that he's just in love with anymore. Which yeah, is, I, I appreciate I mean, the honesty. I mean, he he seems, I, I think, kind of like, proud of having done it and has like you know i i think in the, in the the youtube interview like has a lot of very sweet things to say about working with heath ledger on the dark knight but it seems seems completely unburdened by like you know he doesn't seem like one of those people that had this like huge play this huge iconic character and it sort of loomed over his career mm. i mean it's do you I, I even sometimes have these moments of like oh yeah he he played batman like it, it seems like that like that's not even a thing that like kind of hovers over him anymore i feel like at this point it's just like oh yeah that was cool like he played batman for like 10 years as well and then and th- like he went on and did all this other stuff and i was gonna say i think he's the kind of actor that make sure he's never typecasted he'll do all the batmans then he'll do um what was it when he plays vice he'll do a dick cheney movie you know so he's like you're not gonna tie me down i'm gonna do whatever i want then he does thor so yeah he's just a good actor in that sense that whoever his reps are they're not gonna let him be tied down and typecasted so you can forget oh yeah he played batman you know so kudos to them and the from what you're saying about this article in the YouTube, a company YouTube video, it sounds like he's having a Brian Cox moment. You'll remember when Brian Cox was selling his book and he was in that book, he just says whatever. So yeah. that's what it seems like. You know, I think if Bale does have a reputation now, he's it feels like he's sort of stepped into the Daniel Day Lewis spotlight is mm. like this is like our 100%. really extreme actor who just sort of immerses himself in a role and is like completely method. Um and it was interesting sort of reading and listening to him talk about how, you know, to him, it's almost this like anxiety thing of like, mm. I, th- this, and, and I think it makes him, it's a little easy, I think, to see like why he sort of comes back to people like Russell or Adam McKay with like the big short and vice of like mm-hmm. both of those filmmakers, whatever you think of them and their, their films like, are constantly like improvising on set. And I, I th- there seems to be something about Bale about feels comfortable in knowing like, and maybe those directors feel attracted to working with him. Cause he's like, I want to just like live in this character 24 mm. seven. And so if out of this fear that just like, they're going to run in with new pages and it doesn't matter, matter, matter what I memorized the line before or the night before, like, I need to like know how this person I'm playing is going to think like every second of every day. Um, I think my other favorite performance of his, like the vice performance I think is great. It is like an incredible transformation performance, but I kind of like really dislike that movie. Um, I like, I had fun with it. I think that's it. I had fun with vice. The big short is the, the McKay, the other McKay movie, I think, which I think he's, he's really great in that. Um, Ford versus Ferrari, I think might be my second favorite bail. Really? Performance. It's just, it's like one of the rare times that he's been just like a pure charismatic movie star. Like Mm. he's, he's basically like Tom Cruise and Top Gun in that movie. Like he's like just really fun and laid back and is just being like a marquee idol movie star. 
and is has like is able to sort of like go toe to toe with Matt Damon in terms of charisma and just swagger in that movie. And th- there's just something about like I think Bale can be very wound tight sometimes as an actor, but I always Absolutely. enjoy when you can see moments of him kind of loosening up and that, that just Mm. feels like a movie where it's just sort of like, that just sort of feels like him and his natural element, just kind of like dad jeans and just like hanging around a car and like cracking jokes and like shoving barbecue down, down his (laughs) mouth. Like that's kind of just my, my memory of him in, in that movie. Um, I'm, I'm curious, have you ever seen empire of the sun, which is kind of the movie that he, kind of became famous for or it was was sort of his like star making movie when he was a young kid it was like a steven spielberg movie in the 80s might be might be like it's kind of mid-tier steven spielberg but his performance in there it it might be like one of the greatest child acting performances ever put to screen and was another one in just sort of thinking back on some of his other roles kind of before coming on mike and before you know literally deciding to to ask you about this was like i i think that's like a secretly really underrated performance of like he basically has to carry this whole like kind of very heavy movie on his back as like an eight-year-old kid and it's like a very emotional moving performance essentially adding it to my list now perfect uh what'd you think about taylor swift's acting there we go that's the answer i needed thank you (laughs) i I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of agnostic to the whole Taylor Swift experience. I, I will say, I think singing seems to singing and performing seems to be more of her, her strong suit than, than acting. But also, have we, have we really seen her tested that much as an? Act? I feel like anytime she does act, it's in like very small, like one scene performances, in, in movies. So. Which is, which is what they want to give, because beyond that, it seems they don't trust it. Right, right. I I will say she is not uh distractingly bad enough. There's so much other like just this movie. I think is kind of off the rails by the time that like she comes and exits this movie. Um, that I I was not sort of distracted by her. So there's my answer to that. Fair point. I agree. I agree. Um, well, stay tuned on the latest in the next coming weeks. Next week, uh, very excited. We're going to be talking about the much-buzzed-about Tar, starring Kate Blanchett and directed by Todd Field. And we're going to be talking about Halloween Ends, the conclusion of this most recent Halloween trilogy. Real one, are you are you doing any kind of like spooky season? Any kind of like how any kind of horror marathons or anything to kind of tie I, yourself into the year? I may. The one thing I don't do scary movies beyond like Final Destination and that mm. kind of stuff. I don't do it. But I feel like I have to watch Smile just because it's doing so well at the box office. I need to check it out. In in hindsight, maybe the movie we should have done this episode on because that's been number one at the box office for two weeks. But, you know, like a couple weeks ago when I was like planning out the calendar for the month was like, yeah, Amsterdam, that'll be interesting. Lots of people are in that. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. find something to talk about with there. And uh, yeah, 
bad, 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 bad moment of planning by me. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm personally doing this, like, I'm trying to watch like 31 horror movies this month. So I'm trying to watch like one horror movie each day or one kind of like horror themed movie. But I'm like trying to mostly watch stuff that like I've never seen Mm. before. So Mm -hmm. like I've been watching a lot of the um, like old universal monster movies because they're Mm. kind of streaming. And those are ones where it's like I've never really had an interest to see these, but like they're so iconic. Like I feel like now is the opportunity to see them or there's this great um, collection of like very underrated eighties horror movies on the criterion channel right now. That's like has a lot of stuff I've never even heard of before or stuff by like big name directors like John Carpenter and Catherine Bigelow or uh, Dario Argento, but are like, Less, maybe lesser known or more underrated, or even like Catherine harder to Bigelow? find. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh, that's real, what real, really real, got me. Real one. Do I have a movie for you to watch? Cat. Okay, okay. This, so this is this is a perfect like positive recommendation for this. So in the in the mid eighties, Catherine Bigelow made this super underrated vampire movie called Near Dark that kicks ass. Like it is. It is like great like one of the most underrated movies of the decade it's really hard to find as a lot of like Catherine bigelow's early movies are because of like various rights issues but it's basically about like a group of like nomadic vampires who like wander the like west texas in a van and murder people it's if you're 90 if you're, minutes too so i can do that it's it's good i i will thoroughly look forward to if you even like sign up for like a free trial or something of that streaming service to watch this movie. Like I look forward to your thoughts. Cause I think if you really dig Catherine Bigelow, it's like low key, one of her more underrated movies. I'm going to do it. Thank you. All right. Well tune in next week. Like I said, we're talking Halloween ends and tar and uh, yeah. Stay tuned.